Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to the Mind Warp podcast. Always great to have you with us, and thank you for making the time to listen to our to our podcast. We at Mind Warp always speak with interesting guests, and I'm sure you'll find today no exception. At Mind Warp, we bring together the confluence of technology and of innovation, specifically in the mining industry, but not only in the mining industry. And we want to see how we can warp our minds and yours for the next half an hour or so. New things, interesting and valuable things in the mind. So today I've got two guests with me. One of them is Yanni Potgieter. Yanni is the CEO of Collaborate, one of Minapi's partners. And I'll let him introduce himself in a minute. And my other guest is Okert van Skalkbeek, SAP guru and also a guru in general with MineRP. Uh, certainly someone who is no stranger to implementing ERP solutions in the mining industry as well. So before we start talking about all the interesting things we want to talk about in the world of enterprise asset management and related fields of value today, let's quickly meet our guests in more detail. Uh, Janni Potgieter, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be with Collaborate? MP Okert, good morning and uh, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, yeah, the, the life stories get longer and we have to condense it more and more as we get older. And uh, <laughs> my, theory, my theory why we all experience time uh, going past quicker as we, as we age. In any case, um, yeah, I grew up in a, in a small little town in, uh, on the Val Triangle from Nobel Park, which is best known for the East Coast Steel plant, today known as, as Arsenal Metal. Completed my studies there. Then in '96, uh, I moved to uh, Richards Bay to Adusaf. Uh, later became part of BHP and, and part of today part of South 32. That's where I first got introduced to SAP as a, as a business analyst uh, on the plant maintenance side. Spent three years at Bayside Aluminium, the, the one of the two plants smelters there in, in Richards Bay. Uh, they have since closed down. Technology changed so much and uh, simply wasn't feasible to run that, uh, that plant anymore. In any case, in, in 1999, I joined AST, today known as Kijima, and uh, found myself back in, in Funabel Park on the East Coast Steel project. So, uh, you know, just a 360 there. And uh, that's where, I, in fact, I first met Okert. Uh, Okert was a project manager at AST uh, and um, uh, part of the, the ESCOP project. And we since worked together on, on quite a few other projects. Exaro, I think, was the last one, Okert, in 2012, 2013, if I, if I remember correctly, Exaro Resources. Yeah, and I think during my time at, at AST, it seemed to me that we, there was a gap really between the system implementation versus a subject matter found that many of the consultants pretty much had either a strong systems background or a strong subject matter background. And in, in my case now, reliability engineering, asset management, physical asset management. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen quite a, quite a few occasions where the two didn't come together properly and uh, really caused quite a bit of poor implementations, I would say, because of, uh, you know, not really applying both uh, the subject matter and, uh, and, and then uh, the system design principles as well. And I decided at that point to, to start a company that would uh, focus specifically on a, on a topic, uh, go deep into the subject matter and combine that with, with SAP and, uh, and formed uh, what is today known as, as Collaborate. We started off with about 15 consultants, uh, grew that to uh, today uh, with uh, several other departments hardcore reliability engineering, EPCM, 
And we also uh, since started with a uh, software development drive in 2014, where today we have 14 discrete solutions and uh, around 150 reliability engineers and SAP professionals. So that's, uh, I would say, in a nutshell. Interesting that you referred back to the AST days. That's, uh, of course, one thing, one place that both yourself, Orchid, and I have in common. And we all, exactly. <laughs> we all worked there in the days when MinerP was still GMSI or Global Mining Solutions International, Graphical Mining Solutions International, or uh, Gajima Mining Solutions International, different names at different times. Now it's very simple, MinerP. Speaking of, of names, where does the name Collaborate come from? We, you know, it was really for us, uh, we were wanting to create something where a company that's, uh, again, playing on the word collaborate yes. uh, with uh, and making it more of a of a verb and more IT specific uh, with, the, with the IT at the end. But it was really, you know, partners, customers and, and ourselves, you know, that we wanted to bring together in a collaborative environment. And I think especially in the last two years, we've seen that actually uh, really materialized quite a bit. We've partnered in some of our projects with technology companies in the US and in, in China and in, in Europe, bringing together various uh, components, software and hardware components. And I think, uh, you know, that's the, the nature of today's world is, is really collaborating, uh, is, is really to take the best of, of the, the different uh, offerings and put that together into new products, into new offerings, into new uh, problem-solving products, I would say. So, well, good. Um, over to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background as well. It's not the first time that you're on a Mindful uh, podcast, is it? Uh, no, I've been in in one SAP integration sort of Mindful podcast. But yeah, this is much more interesting. Starting with myself, I started out as an electrical engineer. Started with the heavy engineering stuff at Isco Newcastle plant at the stage and moved later to, to Van der Park and moved into the automation of plants and things. So I, I worked both in maintenance and production systems, which was really, really interesting. Moved to SAP, actually then moved to AST, as uh, Yanni said, uh, sort of the same time. And where we met was then at the Metal SAP project first time. And then afterwards, we actually did quite a few other projects. And uh, I did a few mining projects and other industries. In terms of SAP, I worked in multiple industries. Then at AST, I had my first encounter with MinerP, where uh, I worked on a small project where we said, let's integrate MinerP and SAP. Now, at this stage, we were very young, lots of stars in our eyes, and we did the first sort of cut with integration, but uh, integration was not ready at that stage. After the SAP stuff, I carried on in Kojima then uh, into the management and at the stage ran an IT division of about a thousand people. So really into management and people and leave forms and those sort of things. And uh, yeah, uh, very much. <laughs> and then we went to, to get to the place where, where I said, well, it's maybe time for nicer things to do. And MinerP approached me and uh, said, this integration thing is actually very interesting. Come and make it work now. So we, we started, I started through with some of the production integration and so forth. So uh, that, that worked very nice. And at this stage, I'm now three years already in my third year with MinerP. So uh, quite interesting, 
and, and working with Yanni now, it's actually great to, to get to collaborate. Mm -hmm. collaborate to actually mm -hmm. get to some sort of answers on, on how we can carry forward. Thank you. So guys, you you know, you, you're both gray heads in this environment. You know, you've, you've been around the block, you've seen projects work and projects not work, but you've also seen kind of fads come and go and focus areas in, in business come and go. So maybe Yanni, to you, in this world of enterprise asset management, and as you say, reliability engineering and so on, why does there seem to be a greater focus on enterprise asset management in the recent few years? What's changed? What's yeah, new we, in the market that there's all of a very, sudden this focus there? Definitely very interesting. I mean, for the first, uh, I would say, or let's say up until about 2008, 2009, you know, just generally maintenance management, reliability engineering, you know, those were, that, that was really a second tier sort of discussion points within organizations. We really struggled to get uh, the attention uh, even from the engineering fraternity at the, at the companies. Yeah. They were very much focused on, you know, the mining engineering side of it. And in many cases, you know, uh, were quite happy with break fix, uh, reactive type of environments. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've, we speculated about this quite a bit and, uh, and what we came to see is that, uh, you know, the asset management area was, was one of the very few areas that were optimized. And, you know, there was always a, a big focus on supply chain, on production. And when there was uh, obviously the 2008 world, uh, uh, you know, experienced a, a quite a radical crisis. financial crisis. And companies were looking for optimization opportunities, and and really since then it's it's taken off uh, tremendously. I mean, it's just amazing to see uh, the customers, same customers that we had, uh, you know, 15 years uh, before the 2008 crisis. I would say, uh, you know, we now today they appoint reliability and asset management engineers specifically focused on this topic. A lot of energy and a lot of you know effort go into that, and I think also. You know, technology, we uh, we absolutely see that, uh, you know, big data, availability of big data, the availability to process big data, opened up opportunities for, for more predictive type of uh, maintenance and analytics. And definitely that's, that's uh, in our view, has helped to, you know, to put asset management, um, you know, in the boardrooms where previously it was really didn't get uh, the light of day. So, Orkut has talked about MinerP asking him to, to bring together SAP and and MinerP and and I know there are many opportunities for for that bringing together. But Orchid, certainly, our focus is, or we find clients asking us to express or give them one version of the work that needs to be done. We call that a master business schedule, and that's one of the areas where uh, you've jumped in with Elaborate as well to to bring maintenance into the master business schedule. Is that right? Yeah, you know, Yani. There's always this tension between production and maintenance because you have the same resources, the same people, the same things. And in order to, to get to the answer, you need to be able to actually consolidate, to compromise all of these requirements into one thing. And that is where the master business schedule comes from. But I want to take two steps back and say, let's let's start with where does the whole business thing start and or the mining thing start. And it starts with, when you get into your master business plan and your master mining plan, where you get to a place where you say, I want to mine this area for the next 30 years, very long term, and, and this is where we want to go. 
from this, you can actually build a detailed schedule. And this is what MindLP is actually going, taking this, this big master schedule the, or master plan and break it down into a master schedule, which will run for a month to three months, taking that forward. When we get to the master business schedule, in, in any piece of work that you're actually doing, there are three things that you want to manage. You want to manage the people, you want to manage the materials that you require, and you need to manage the machines and equipment. And machines and equipment is actually more difficult because they actually have the same piece of work, which is called maintenance, that, that needs to be done. And the machine doesn't work without maintenance. Otherwise, it will not be available when you need it. And uh, there, there are different maintenance sort of strategies where you say run your machine into the ground and then buy a new one or fine-tuned maintenance strategy where you say uh, we measure everything around it and the oil quality and the conditions and all of those things on the other side where you get to, to measure this. Now, how do you put all of these things together? Firstly, there's something called ISA 95, which is actually a standard mechanism to put people, materials, and machines and equipment together. And from this, we built a master business schedule of people. So there's now time involved, or what they call it, men, money, and machines, and put all of those things together to an answer. Now we also take another M and call it maintenance, and put the maintenance stuff all together so that we can say, how do we integrate the different things? So we start with mining production, integrate the maintenance schedule, and take it from there. And this is where Yanni comes in with the asset management part of, of this, because then we can get the two things together. Yeah, it almost sounds almost you know obvious that we want to combine maintenance and, uh, and production planning, but it's really something that very few companies do. I mean, production is very much chased, and you know, and, and as I said in the past, maintenance got the short end of the stick. But um, you know, uh, companies have realised more and more that that there's this this balance between availability and the cost and the risk of the asset, and and we need to provide that view. As Orchid said, you know, there's a lot of money that gets spent and capital spent on equipment, and companies want to know if they uh, if they are getting their return. And we have a metric on the asset management side that we, we call OEE, Overall Equipment Effectiveness, which is a very good metric that actually combines the production and the maintenance uh, components. We, we typically, they are um, very much opposed. You know, uh, engineering want uh, the engineering guys and the maintenance guys want the equipment available yeah. uh, as much as possible for for maintenance, and production wants it as much as much as possible for uh, for production. And and we have to overlay uh, because and, and it's the, sharing the, the same resources. The voice wins. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly that. But uh, also from a from a financial planning point of view and and supply chain, uh, I mean the one again the one area, especially on the if you look at budgets, you know we typically budgets are, are on the maintenance side we're pretty much uh, value based. You know so it's, it's last year plus ten and then the accountants cut another five. You know so you always get to that same sort of figure and it, it was never where engineering said look production, you want the equipment available X amount of time. In order to do this, we need certain maintenance tactics, and those maintenance tactics is going to require downtime, planned maintenance downtime, but it's also going to require these activities, which translates into, into cost. And since we've, we've actually started uh, quite a while ago, probably eight years ago, to, uh, to start to generate 
budgets and forecasts, both for monetary and for supply chain from maintenance tactics. So now engineering and accounting, they can at least sit and look at the same set of data that supports uh, the budgets, you know. So now if there are any cuts uh, to be done, it can be translated back to uh, to risk. Okay, if you want to cut the, you know, the strategy of maintenance from, you know, every six months to every nine months, whatever the case might be, you know, this is what what it means in terms of risk. Are you happy to live with it? And and that that basically gives a lot more, I would say, um, puts a lot more science to the, you know, to the budgeting process and to the maintenance process and as what what it was before. Well, you've already achieved a miracle by getting uh, engineers and accountants in the <laughs> exactly. same group. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think part of that is I, I actually I'm actually the odd one out in in our company. I come from an uh, information systems and in an accounting background. And I'm surrounded by engineers, so uh, I think that's uh, that's helped us a bit uh, in that regard, is to to bring the two worlds together. But then similarly on the production side, I mean, it's uh, just amazing to see. You know, how few companies actually overlay maintenance and production planning and scheduling long term, short term and and on a, you know, on a, on a short interval control basis. It's just not happening. And I think that's part of what we're trying to solve. Okay. If we get to the uh, the practical side then of the work that the two of you, or I should say MinerP and, and Collaborate is doing together, you guys have coined a, um, a word, you call it DIME. That's the name that you gave to to a solution that we're putting together. Uh, together, <laughs> tell us yeah. more about time. Yeah. Now, what what happened is about a month or two, about two months ago. You know, uh, I think Yanni phoned me or I phoned him. Can't remember, but mm-hmm. it was one of those discussions of how's it going in COVID. You know, are you still well? All, all those sort of things. And and so it went into what are you doing and what are you busy with? And at that stage, I had a client. Where this this whole thing about uh, if you put a master business schedule together, it would actually create a lot of value together if you if you put maintenance because what mm-hmm. we are doing with this client is is we forecasting what are the from from a supply chain perspective what are the materials that you're going to need in the next three months and so on. Now obviously you would like to have the same answer for production materials as for maintenance materials and and take it from there and. I was talking to him and, and we were sort of chatting and we said, actually, if we put these things together, we have a solution. So we said, what would we call this? You know, and we, we started with, you know, typically engineers that talk in acronyms and, and all those sort of things, get, mm-hmm. get to some sort of answer. And, and everything was these long names. And so, let's call it done. You know, so, so we got to this place and say, what is done? And DIME is dynamic integrated mining and engineering. So the mining engineering is obvious because we want to integrate it too. Yeah. Integrate is obviously then obvious. And dynamic is really the key to all of this. And, and, and that is how can we make this live? How can we make it on change on the fly and, and take it from there? And, and, and this was the thing that we were actually looking forward to and said, how can we make this work by doing the two different things together? You guys refer to the value part of this already. So we have the reliability focus on the one hand and the production focus on the other, and we felt that these can't meet. But now we've got a solution that can dynamically integrate this and provide one view of the business from both perspectives. But what's the, what's the value? How do clients, how do mines actually get value from this practice? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, as Orkut said, I mean, we referred to that earlier as, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, a an, an obvious uh, requirement, I would say, to, you know, to merge the two. And, and I think, um, you know, part of uh, the advantage that we have on both sides is that uh, Minopi has, has gone down the the mind planning, detail mind plan, long term, short term, short interval control in in a lot of detail, and uh, and what what I really liked about uh, that side as well is the uh, the visual representation, uh, you know, the graphical visual representation, uh, and then on on our side we've uh, done something similar with uh, with ACLM, what we call asset cost and lifecycle management, where we also drill into the the tactics and the, the projections in detail on, on asset management side and uh, some companies do attempt to overlap the two you know worlds but a bit superficially and, and we wanted something that's a lot more dynamic uh, i think what we've seen is in in many cases with these planning tools it doesn't matter you know if it's mining or maintenance or whatever the case might be uh, a lot of effort and manpower goes into these plans, and at the end of the day, when it gets to execution part, uh, you know it gets uh, it gets chucked in the bin because it's not it's not relevant anymore, and it's it's not dynamic enough. So I think from a value point of view, you know it all comes down to again for me to that uh, that OEE figure. I mean, you want to utilize the equipment as much as you can at the lowest possible unplanned uh, breakdowns or stoppages. And uh, I mean, if we take the, you know, the cost and capital cost of those equipment, we've done, uh, you know, a couple of studies where uh, one of our customers uh, were looking at uh, developing a complete new mine, uh, mining area to get, to get the overall throughput out of the company. And when we started investigating, uh, you know, availability and utilization, uh, you know, it was pretty soon obvious that it was actually not a requirement to to develop a complete new mining area. It was yeah. uh, purely just uh, making the equipment more available and utilizing it as as it could, because it was way off spec. And I mean, so the value, uh, you know, is really is, is it's huge. I mean, there's a lot of value to be had uh, if we look at the, you know, the expensive uh, mining equipment, and then you know the result if you're not making the the tons. I mean, it's uh, there's really it boils down to the top. Uh, KPI for any any mining company and for that matter any manufacturing company as well. Mm. It's not only about making the machines available for the sake of having the machines also available. Also to utilize. Yeah. One thing that, that excited me a lot around this as well is the fact that you can do a tactical materials forecast, a tactical maintenance forecast, and a tactical production forecast. In other words, you don't put the stuff into cement and get everything sorted, you can still plan and everything remains flexible. And this is where the dynamic actually comes in. Until as late as you can. So we can keep the maintenance schedule actually as flexible as we can until say a week before the time when you really want to put in the maintenance orders and put it there. So so you can keep everything dynamic. Everything is planned. You can have your materials planned. You can have all of your work planned and your people planned, but there's always the last minute things that's going to, to change everything. And once you create SAP orders in any form, a production order or a maintenance order, whatever, it is actually cast in concrete at that stage. And once it's cast in concrete, very difficult to change. So we keep this dynamic until as late as we can and then place the orders. And I think that's the thing that excites me a lot. Sounds great. Gentlemen, we're running out of time. There's lots and lots more to be said on this topic, of course. But thank you for, for sharing this with us. I'm sure people will, will want to read more about this and you know, they can refer to Collaborate's website, which is Yanni. 
It's collabora.com. I mean, it, it would be the, the shortcut to it. Okay, and MinorP, Okert? MinorP.com. Excellent. So we always end our podcast by asking our guests what they are reading. What's on their bedside table? So I'll start with you, Okert. What are you interested in right now? I always love to travel. And during this last year, 2020, I actually missed out on a lot of that. So I, I did a lot of armchair travel at that stage and, and <laughs> looked a lot at the footspore called actually tracks, if you translate it, uh, sort of uh, TV programs. And then I, I bought one of those books, which is one, one of the, uh, what, what do you call it, journey guide uh, yeah. for South Africa. So I don't need a passport. I don't need anything. And I'm busy planning a real deep South African trip to all places that I've not been before. So that, that is what I'm reading at this stage. Oh, Yanni, try and beat that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine is a bit more boring, I must add. <laughs> I'm actually busy with a book called Influence. It's uh, regarded as a classic, I, I understand, uh, Robert uh, Galdini. And it's uh, it's very fascinating. It's fascinating. It's, uh, it really boils down to, you know, sort of the, the triggers and motivations, the, you know, the, the, the core that drives us. And uh, I must admit, you know, he breaks it down into, you know, into six major triggers, I would say, and um, a very fascinating, uh, you know, concept. And I think, again, sometimes you read this, you know, when you read these, you know, these these insightful books, it, it almost seems obvious, but, you know, I, I can definitely recommend this book. It's, it's really brought a lot, you know, for me to understand a bit more what makes people tick. That's fantastic. I hope that as, as your book indicated that we'll go far and have lots and lots of influence. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, MP. Thank you, Okut. Thank you, Yanni and MP. I'm very excited about this, so uh, let's make this work. <laughs>